Good morning, Riverway. Glad to be with you today. When asked to speak about one of the fruits of the Spirit, I asked Joelle if I could pick the fruit that I wanted to speak on. Get it? Pick the fruit. Okay, thank you for that courtesy laugh. My humor is an acquired taste. Hopefully within 30 minutes, you'll acquire a taste. So um, she said, actually, they're being assigned to you. While hoping to get my favorite fruit selection, I thought to myself, oh boy, this Lord, you know I have little patience. And then if I was to speak on self-control, that would be a natural disaster. Um, Let's see. But Lord, I just leave it up to you. But I thought gentleness, when she assigned it to me, gentleness. Okay, this has possibilities. And when I thought about it, I thought, actually, none of these are really resident in me, like I could perform or bring them out anyway. They're the fruit of the Spirit. And so it doesn't matter what I can do or what work I can perform spiritually. It's about how the Spirit lives in us and produces the fruit that he wants to see in us. In 1957, there aired a TV show called Gentle Ben. Maybe some of you remember it. It was about a domesticated bear. That's right. And this bear was domesticated, and they did little adventures with the bear and how he was gentle. And then I thought about it. I thought, bears are one thing, humans are probably a whole nother thing. So today, if we were entitling this message, we would call it Gentle Humans. Gentle Humans. Imagine that. Even Daniel the Tiger, the kids show, they have a song on there, Sometimes We Need to Play in a Gentle Way. How many of you hate going to the dentist? Let's see, raise of hands. Okay, therapy begins at 12 o'clock today. Um, No, I I hate going to the dentist, but I saw this advertisement, and it really appealed to me. It was called Gentle Dentistry. I thought, now that is good. I mean, who's going to sign up for brutal dentistry, right? Not me. Anyway, I had a friend who lived in China, Sarah, and she actually had to go to the dentist for root canal seven times without Novocaine. And you can imagine the nerves and the sensitivities. Oh, my But we're all very sensitive, aren't we? And how much gentleness is a missing part of our society. About a week ago, my uh, granddaughter and I served at a local golf tournament to raise money for 360 communities. It's out of Dakota County, and my sister works in the uh, sheriff's office, and so she chairs this whole planning committee, and they raise a lot of money. In fact, we raised $53,000 to help battered women and children, and my husband wanted me to remind, wanted to remind me men too. I thought, thank you, honey, for clarifying that. You're not supposed to be abused, so you're okay. And so, um, but they raise money to help these families who've experienced harshness and brokenness at the hands of unsafe people. Well, while we were there, we got to meet a dog named Coco. It's a service dog for children that serves the shelter. And this dog named Coco actually... Uh, is a service dog for kids who've been abused. And when the child comes in, and my granddaughter got to meet and pet this dog, and I asked the lady, please tell 
uh, the dog handler, please tell my granddaughter Ellie how this dog can help a child. And she said, well, when the child is abused or hurt or treated harshly, when they come in to tell the police officer what happened to them, the dog will come and sit right by the child. They ask the child, would you like a dog or a puppy to come and be with you while you tell us your story? And they usually say yes. And the dog comes, and this is a petting dog. And so she, the, the child can just pet the dog as much as they like as they tell their story. And if the child becomes too uncomfortable, they can, the police officer can simply lean over to the child and say, would you like to just tell Coco your story? And I'll just take notes. And so the dog, through gentleness and the comfort of a domesticated animal, the child can receive comfort and counsel and, and have someone by their side who can walk through them in their painful part of life. I thought about that. What a brilliant idea. Dakota County is one of the only ones that has this type of service dog. And so I thought about how powerful that is, that the love and the gentle touch and comfort of an animal could counter and heal the harshness that some people have faced in their lives. And I can imagine, what if gentle humans, what if... The Spirit domesticated our lives, and as he lived in us, can you imagine what this world would be like if we were the gentle tools, like Coco, who could bring kindness and gentleness to the harshness and the brokenness that we see in everyday people's lives? This passage in Galatians is contrasting the works of the flesh with the with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh, I'm not going to enumerate on because I'm all too familiar on them. And I'm sure that some of you are like, I already know so many of those because the focal point isn't really not doing bad things and being good. The focal point is surrendering and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us in such a way that we walk in his presence, we walk and allow his fruit as we go deep in the soil of the spirit life and to Christ's life that the fruit would come out naturally just by virtue of surrender and yielding to the nutrients of the soil of the spirit of God. So here we go. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, this is your first fill-in for some of you who have the doodle and fill-in sheet. Gentleness and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified their flesh. We've died to its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, that's your second one, live by the Spirit, let us keep in touch and keep in step with the Spirit. It's not about just being good. It's about keeping in step with the Spirit of God every day. And we can do that. If it's just being good, what of us could produce this kind of fruit? Not many of us. I know I sure couldn't. I had a professor in college who talked about the war between the flesh and the Spirit. And he said, there are always two dogs warring within us. The flesh dog and the spirit dog. 
but whichever one you feed the most will win. Whichever one you feed the most will win. It's like a quote I heard in one of Ryan's messages. Whatever you starve will die. Whatever you feed will thrive. And so the focal point is not being good or not doing bad things. The focal point is Jesus Christ living and abiding with Jesus Christ. Going deep into the fertile soil of the Spirit's life. There was once a woman who displayed great gentleness and kindness like no other. Now the streets of Calcutta are dangerous and dirty and crowded. People were infected with diseases, cholera, dysentery, all kinds of diseases that were fatal in most cases. And Mother Teresa and a group of helpers would go out daily and they would just spend time and look for people that they could love gently with the Spirit of God. One day, Mother Teresa came across a woman who was dying, and she was in the gutter in a street, and she put her on her back, and she carried her to a local hospital. And as she carried her, she brought her in the door, and a nurse caught her, and she said, this, this woman is dying. She needs help. But the nurse said, I'm sorry. There's no room. She's too poor to pay, and we can't save her anyway. We don't want to waste a bed on her. Now please move along. Well, Mother Teresa put her back on her back and carried her back out to the street where she spent hours with her until this lady passed into eternity. And she said, no one should die alone, forgotten and in despair. She won the Nobel Peace Prize, but they said that her greatest prize and one of her greatest giftings was the laser focus that she put on the person right in front of her. And so many times we miss opportunities in the Walmart line or different places where we could just give laser focus of kindness and gentleness in simple ways. On a blackboard, she wrote this, I prefer our sisters to make mistakes through kindness and gentleness rather than to perform miracles with harshness. With gentle hands and gentle heart, she handled people. And she treated everyone as though they were Jesus. So that one day she could say, Jesus would say to her when she got to heaven, Thank you. What you did to my brother, you did to me. Because how we treat others really is how we treat Jesus. But she knew the gentleness and kindness. When we were in India with our friends, the Elis, uh, I was looking on the street and I saw this picture of Mother Teresa, this rather famous woman who was so humble and so gentle. And on, underneath it read um, a picture of her face and then it read, the Almighty personified. The Almighty personified. And you know, that's, what we get to be to people, the Almighty personified through gentleness and kindness, we can reach out and touch people. And when she died, she was given a state funeral unlike any other. Dignitaries attended her funeral, but you know what was the most beautiful part of her funeral? While all these world dignitaries came together and they were allowed inside the building, all the people that she had touched and their families were out in the streets. 10,000 people. 
and they displayed her on a pallet, and what they did is they moved her through the streets in a gentle parade of thanks for the woman who had touched their lives with so much gentleness and kindness. Who says gentleness doesn't have a powerful effect for the gospel's sake? Gentleness is the work of the Spirit in us. We can't bear the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit bears the fruit in us. Jesus is the focal point. In John 15, we are given a message from Jesus about how to really live in his spirit. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. What beautiful word pictures Jesus gives us so that we can find our spiritual life and relate to who he is. He cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit, so that, and he prunes the ones that are fruitful so that they will bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean. He pronounces them. Some of you need to hear that today. You are already clean by the word that I have spoken to you. Isn't that powerful? You're already clean. It's not a matter of cleaning yourself up. It's a matter of abiding to be fruitful for Christ. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If the branch isn't connected, it can't receive all the nutrients and all it needs to grow up and to bear fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is for my Father's glory so that you will bear much fruit, showing that you are my disciples, proof of life. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit lives in us so that his character can flow through us. As we abide in him and live in him and through him, we will manifest this beautiful character. It says no branch can bear fruit on its own, separate, unconnected. You must be connected. Abide in me. We live with him. We study him. We imitate him. Jesus is the focal point, becoming like Christ. I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and it's uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine. And this is Jesus' only self-description about his person. And it says, come and study me. Come and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Isn't that a beautiful Savior? Some of you need to hear the gentleness and the humility of a Savior who wants to embrace you in all the harshness that maybe you have faced. We study the Master. Now, in Philippians 2, there's something called kenosis. And um, it's a Greek word, and if you throw out a Greek word now and then, people think you're smarter than you really are. And so there it is, kenosis, okay? You don't have to write that down. Anyway, it's about pouring yourself out, emptying yourself, so that you can be filled with God. And he says, do nothing. And Jesus is the ultimate model of selflessness and humility and gentleness. It says, do nothing out of ambition or vain conceit. Meaning, don't be self-centered. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as our Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. In the days of the Renaissance, there was a program for artists that you could go and live with a master, a master artist. And you would live with this master artist for three years so that you could become just like him or just like her, even though they weren't that popular that day. There was women artists. Um, so they, you would become an artist like the one you were studying. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be like our master. Okay, write that down, master. Okay, that's in there. We want to become like our master. And to become like him, we're going to do four simple things. Right, simple. Mm -hmm. Okay, so number one, we live with him. He said, abide in me. Live with him. Number two, study him. Study him. Come and learn of me. Number three, copy him. We copy who he is and his work. We imitate him. And how many of you know if you hang around somebody long enough, you just naturally start acting like them? Have you ever had that happen with a friend when you start, or your spouse even? Okay. So you start acting like them. And number four, be mistaken for him. And I'll tell you a story about that later. We studied Jesus, the master, just like an artist or an apprentice in those days. They were called garzonis during the Renaissance time when, they would, were, when there was a revival of thinking and arts, and um, they would study somebody who was masterful at that. And so they would go live with them for three years, and at first the pupils were young boys, and they, sh they lived in the household. They were part of the household. And it was for three years, and they ate with the family. They were studying the master, not just his work, but his life, how he did things. And they were first given menial tasks like grinding pigment and just doing things to see if they were faithful, just like that last week's message about faithfulness. Are we being faithful? So they would study to be faithful. And we get to study our master, Jesus. He says, come and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. Learn, they would learn more about how they painted, the techniques that they used. And when we study Jesus, as you read the gospel, study his interpersonal skills, his ability to teach many, but to do one-on-one -on -one ministry. He paid attention to people. And he was gentle with people. He called people by name. Simple things that Jesus did to prefer others. Study his parables, his character, for he is gentle and humble of heart. So they would study, these garzonis were young men who would study the techniques of classical art. And the whole goal was to become like the master. It wasn't to perfect themselves and become better themselves. It was to be just like the master. And so they would watch their strokes. They would watch what they do. They watched how they lived. They watched how they did everything so that they could have the same power or the same skill. And so they would copy the master. And that's what Jesus said. He says, come and imitate me. Come be like me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. And again, what if we just kept in step with the Spirit of God? 
We just allow, walked in the spirit, allowed his, him to empower us and allowed his fruit to come out, to be like Christ, to be gentle, to be kind. It's possible. It's very possible. There was a man named Sanini who did a 13-year program. He was an artist during the Renaissance time. Now, I'm going to share some um, Italian names, but mi italiano, not so good, okay? So you might have to go back and hear the real pronunciation off Google, uh, Google Translate. But for most Garzonis studied for three years, but he allowed his students to study 13, so they would be very accomplished and it was all about engagement. You were engaging the artist. You were being with him. Now, in the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, they actually have a sign that says, please pick up paper and pens, and um, we don't want you to take pictures. We want you to sit down with a beautiful painting, and we want you to draw it. We want you to engage the painting. Because if you take a snapshot... How many of you, how many of you look back on those and say, oh, that was fun, but, you know, or else you just download them and forget about them, right? But if you take a snapshot, you're not getting a full picture. So they challenge their guests, um, their museum comers, to write down, draw it, be engaged. Be engaged with the master's life and work. So they, first of all, lived with the master they copied the master, they engaged the master, and lastly, they were mistaken for the master. To be mistaken is Christ-likeness. How are we like Jesus? Study your master so that there is an indistinguishable likeness between the picture of Jesus and the picture of who you are. There was a guy named Verrocchio, another Italian word, like I said, look it up. Anyway, he actually allowed his students to study from him, and he raised up several famous artists underneath him. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Perugio, uh, and there was another one, Credi, he's another one. And anyway, they would copy this. And this is one of the pictures that they painted, one of the portraits that they painted. But actually, they don't know if it was really his work, Verrocchio's work, because it could have been any one of those four other artists, because they had so studied the master that when they painted, it was indistinguishable whose work it was. But Verrocchio still put his name on it, because it met the standard and the quality of the artist's work. And isn't that just like us, studying our master? And maybe he could sign off on our work. And there's also um, many artists or uh, curators today go back and forth about who actually finished the painting. Who did this part? Who did this part? Because it's still indistinguishable because there's such a great likeness. Simply stated, a master's signature on the bottom meant that the quality of the work replicated and met the master's standard. Christ-likeness. As we're baby-stepping, you know, doing the work, 
I'm baby-stepping, I'm doing the work. As we're doing that, as we're just walking in the Spirit, paying attention to the Spirit of God, allowing Christ's nature to take over our lives, could Jesus sign off on our life? Could he sign off? There's a book by Matt, uh, Mike Iaconelli, another Italian. It's called Messy Spirituality. I love this book. And he tells a story about um, someone from a church named River Road, not Riverway, River Road, and the youth group and how this youth group went and they visited this elderly home and several sponsors were absent one week. And so there was one man who named Daryl who said, I'll go, since there's not enough people, I'll go. And he felt uncomfortable the whole time. They did a service for the elderly and he just stood in the back and he just wanted to make a beeline out of there. He didn't know what to do with himself. And, um, and as he stood there, ready to make a beeline, an elderly gentleman in a wheelchair reached up and took his hand. And he thought, wow, this is strange. Okay. And so he held his hand, and Daryl was a little bit awkward. He was like, oh, this isn't really what I love to do. And he was awkward, just emotionally, but he felt overwhelmed with compassion for this man who sat motionless, and he was just staring into blank space. And when he was ready to go, he, he leaned over. For some reason, he said, I said, I love you, Oliver. And as he went to leave, Oliver squeezed his hand. And every, he just... He thought, oh, that, why did I say that? That's weird. But he thought about leaving this man, and he felt terrible. And he's, he thought about all the times that he felt abandoned in his own life, and he didn't want to abandon Oliver on that day. And so he decided that he would go back every month and visit Oliver. And Oliver didn't say much, and he would come and sit in the back and he would gently hold Oliver's hand through each service. Well, one day... Oliver wasn't wheeled out for the service, and he wondered, where's Oliver? And so Daryl made a beeline. He made a, uh, went for a walk and went to room 27 where Oliver lived. And he went up to Oliver's bed, and he held Oliver's hand, but Oliver couldn't respond. He was on the way to heaven and so Oliver, he held hands, and when he went to leave, he gave, Oliver gave him a little squeeze. And he knew it was the end. And so Daryl left. He was crying. And on his way out, he stumbled a little bit and ran into somebody. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he was trying to gain his composure when she said, oh, wait, wait. I'm Oliver's granddaughter. I wanted to thank you. Are you Daryl? I wanted to thank you for coming to visit my, my grandfather every month. In fact, last night, the, or a few nights ago, the nurses called and said he's unresponsive. You better come. It won't be long now. But last night, Oliver, my grandfather, opened his eyes, and he said, please tell Jesus goodbye for me. And she said, well... Grandfather, you're going to be able to tell Jesus hello soon. And he got a mischievous grin on his face, and he said, yes. But Jesus comes to see me once a month, and he might not know that I've gone. 
And so the lady looked at this man and she said, Daryl, I want to thank you for being Jesus to my grandfather, for visiting him, for gently holding his hand in the last months of his life. She said, I never pictured Jesus as a chubby bald man. However, I'm sure that Jesus would love you to be mistaken for him. Come and study me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. We are his replicas, indistinguishable Jesus, as he lives his life through us. As we walk in the spirit, allow the gentleness of our Savior. And you know, the more you hang around someone who's gentle, I hang around Vicki Eli and I just become more merciful. I don't know what happens to me. But, um, but when we hang around someone long enough, we become like them. So number one, to become like our master, to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. First of all, we live with him. We stay connected with him. Sometimes it's just turning off the radio in the car and just being with Jesus, allowing him to love on us because you can't give away what you don't know, right? And so we allow him to love on us and we worship him and when we experience him and allow, make room for him, more room in our lives, it crowds out those other things. Number two, we study him. Come and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. Copy him. Imitate Jesus. And lastly, be mistaken for Jesus. As we pray today, I'm going to pray just this last prayer for us. If you'll bow your heads with me. Maybe some of you don't know the gentleness of Jesus, but today he bids you to come. Come and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. So Jesus, today we just say, we want to know you as our gentle, humble Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you will disarm all the harshness, maybe the pain or abuse or the brokenness or broken relationships that we suffer as humans and that you would restore us through your gentle touch to who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.